At First Baptist Church, our mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others to a joyful life with Him. Our hope is that you will encounter Jesus Christ in such a way that you will have joyful news to go and tell. Amen. Turn with me for our, uh, to our text for today. It's Galatians 1, 1 through 10. It's in your listening sheet. Um, looks like this. We're going to read this aloud together. Um, and today, you see, we start this new study going verse by verse through Galatians. And as we do, we're going to read um, the book of Galatians all the way through together. So if you would stand with me and let's read this then aloud. This then is the text for today. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. Just below that reading, you see the title of today's sermon is Reclaiming Deserters. And I want to be clear on that title. It is not about desert, but deserters. Today's sermon is not about a reclamation of those who pine after chocolate pie. I mean, if that were the case, I would have to do some more introspection before we got to today's sermon. But this sermon and this entire series as we work through Galatians is a series about desertion. It's a series about being a deserter, one who has run away, leaving your post, walking away from that which you were committed to. Um, this word desertion is a military word. It has a military connotation, and it is a serious offense to be one who deserts. During peacetime in the military, it could be five years in prison. In wartime, it could lead to the death penalty, though there's only been one person sentenced to death in the U.S. since the Civil War for being a deserter. But even with those punishments associated with being a deserter, desertion still happens. Even just a few weeks ago, 
around mid-July, there was a young soldier who ran into North Korea, thought he could run away from that which he was committed to, to another regime. And, you know, when you read that story, you just shake your head. You think, what in the world? What could have been the circumstances that would cause a soldier to run into North Korea? What, what are you doing? I mean, it's so sad for this young man. What has happened in your heart? What's happened in your life that would cause you to desert your country? And that's instructive for us this morning because that's the very same question that the Apostle Paul is asking the churches of Galatia. What has happened that has caused you to desert the Lord your God? What, what has happened to cause you to leave your post in this kingdom that we love so dearly? You know, this is one of the interesting notes of these first few verses that Paul uses military language to get to his point. We see immediately after the salutation where he says, this is to you from me. We, we see the body of the letter and really the thesis of the letter and everything that we're going to be studying over the next 13 weeks is there in verse six. And if you look there with me in verse six, he, he starts, and this is confrontational. This is a way of discipleship that Paul has helped start these churches and he writes back to them this letter of confrontation, of admonition saying, things are not right. And this is what he speaks to them from the very beginning. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of God, uh, by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. You had a place and you had a home. You, you had a way. You, you had a position in the kingdom of God and yet you have deserted him who loved you so dearly. You are receiving this letter. So he starts, right? He says, to, from, and the reason you are receiving this letter is because you have deserted the call of the Christ. They've abandoned their post for the gospel and chased after something else. You see, this whole letter then will be the apostle Paul working through their actions and their beliefs and, and working diligently to reclaim them to reclaim their lives for the kingdom of God. You belong in the kingdom. You, you are of the way of Jesus Christ. And this, this letter is God using Paul to bring them back into the fold. Now, to their credit, as this letter unfolds, it seems that they may not entirely know what they are doing. They've only recently come into the kingdom of God. They, they are, they're new churches. They're new believers. And it's interesting, Paul tells them here in verse six, as quickly as you came into the gospel, you have as quickly deserted that gospel which you were called to. And I'm, I suspect that the churches of Galatia weren't entirely sure what was happening in their churches and in their hearts as this is going on. And, and so this letter that they have been sent goes back to the beginning to help them to understand what has happened and why their churches are adrift. See, this letter is a way of correction to remind them of where they came from and who they belong to, to the Lord our God. You know, it's interesting as you work through this, we, we find a common occurrence, and, and it's the same throughout the Scriptures, that God uses people to do His work with people. 
not the least of which is the incarnation of, of the Christ, who's only begotten at the cross. But, but we see it throughout the scriptures too. Uh, God sending Moses to confront Pharaoh. God sending David to counter Goliath. God in his perfect will sends people to people for people. And, and, and Paul here has been sent. This is the way of God to send his faithful ones. And, and Paul has, as a faithful one, been sent to these churches as a way of correction for them, a way of hope for them in the kingdom of God. It's interesting, even in Paul's own life, he, he found this. After, on the road to Damascus, after, after he was blinded there, God then sent Ananias to instruct him for the days ahead. You see, God, God makes a habit of using faithful people for the work of his kingdom. And for the churches of Galatia, this is the apostle Paul. And God sent him so that they might know the ways of the Christ. You see, Paul became one of those sent ones not long after that Damascus Road experience. And he was sent all over that region in missionary journeys to start churches all along the way. And he made some of the most impactful work of, of Christian history, starting those churches in each of his missionary journeys. And as we begin this letter to the Galatians, Paul is compelled to remind them of that fact. See, in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See, Paul feels compelled to remind them that he was a sent one. This work is not his. This that he preaches to them is, is not his. And in fact, he didn't come there for his glory. He didn't come there for his name. He is called, he has been sent for a purpose of the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. You see, God sins, and God had sent Paul to them for a clear reason to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as he reminds them here, right, right from the very beginning from verse one, this is not me. And he points them up and says, this is the God above I have been sent with the message of the gospel. See, Paul wasn't in Galatia to buoy his tent-making business. He, he wasn't there to, to make a, a network of friends and connections that would, that would serve him well in the days ahead. God brought these churches and the apostle Paul together so that the truth would reign in their lives and glory would be brought to the kingdom of God and to no one else. And so as Paul writes this letter, he reminds him, this, this is not my work. This is a holy work of heaven. This is the work of a sent one. He wasn't in their midst, and he wasn't writing them this letter for pleasantries or potlucks. This is for the kingdom of God. And I want you to think back with me because God has placed sent ones, faithful ones in your life to help you better understand the way of Jesus Christ. Who are those people? You think back over the course of your life and as you grew, who helped you grow in Christ? Who helped you better understand the crucifixion? Who helped you celebrate Easter? Who pointed you to the resurrection of the Christ? See, these are important people. God sent people. It was ordained in his plan and his purposes that you might come together with those people so that you know Christ better. And as you picture those faithful ones in that work, like the Apostle Paul, 
the best possible way for you to thank them is for you to be faithful to the gospel. And this is, this is what Paul is trying to reiterate to them. I don't need a thank you from you. I, I, don't, need, I don't need any money from you. I, I just need you to be faithful to the gospel. And the best possible thing you can do for me is to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm writing you this letter because you haven't been. And so hear, hear from the sent one of where you have gone astray. Now there's, there's, a, there's actually a few different military terms as you, you work down through verses six and seven. Um, to desert, we know, military term, but also disturb and distort ha- have a sense of military connotation as well and in fact seem to be linked in this k- military analogy that Paul is using here. And really all of them together, to desert, to disturb, to distort, all of them together have this sense of a military coup. And, and he's saying, you may not even realize what's going on in your presence, but there is a coup happening. There, there is authority that's being drained away from God. There, there is truth that's being turned into fictions. There are things happening in your midst that are all-out rebellion, and we need to call them out for the revolt that they are against the kingdom of God. In fact, it goes something like this. He, he says that there is this kingdom of which you are a part. So for the Galatians, this is the kingdom of God. And, and in this kingdom, as you serve in this kingdom, you'll see along the way, there are all kinds of different ways that people revolt against the king, even from within. And there are all kinds of reasons why people revolt against the king. He says, I want you to know this, even as he confronts them, you, you see it in that salutation, those first five verses. Even with this, The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that though this happens, the King of kings and the Lord of lords that leads this kingdom of God is known throughout the history of the scriptures as being a king who rescues, a God who saves his children from these military coups. He says as you flip through the pages of the Old Testament, as you turn to the new, there have been people all the way through trying to steer you away from God himself to pull you out of that kingdom and into the ways of the world. But our God is one who rescues, a God who saves his people from these kinds of revolts. Now there's, there's a few different kinds that we see here different kinds of revolts that happen. We see a hint of this in verse four where, where Paul says um, of Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. And, and I just want you to note that word, that phrase there, our sins. Because it points out that God is one who rescues people out of this desertion. And often this desertion happens all by yourself. Only you are to blame for this kind of res- revolt. That when you sin, it is treasonous. So when you are inside the kingdom of God and you sin or you go against God way- God's ways, you do things that you aren't supposed to do or you don't do things you're supposed to do, this is an act of treason. In fact, it's an act of treason deserving the death penalty, but in God's patience, he waits. And in God's patience, he rescues his own out of that Um, that treason and, and out of that rebellion. You know, we know this. 
even as a church, that we have made all kinds of horrendous mistakes that do not measure up to the standards of the kingdom of God. And for all the times that we have failed, God's merciful rescue is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, there's another layer to that here, too. That, that sometimes people desert the kingdom of God because they have been enticed away by this present evil age. Think of it this way with me, that in the kingdom of God, we think about the kingdom of God as being sort of a walled city. And that when you look out over those walls into the world, there are all kinds of temptations and sweet faces and con artists trying to lure you away from the kingdom of God, promising you the world. But if you make that jump of desertion beyond the walls of the kingdom, what you find is desolation and brokenness covered with a facade of impossible promises. And and what you find out there are, are people that only make themselves feel better by watching you suffer. And, and he says, we are in this time and we're in this age where, where evil presses in against the kingdom of God and evil comes in to try to suffocate out those who are near to their heavenly father. And as they do, this present evil age knows how to camouflage all of their failures just long enough to make you think maybe it's not that bad out there. And still... It's the will of God to pull his children out of that mess, to rescue you back into his kingdom. You see, when we think of our failures as believers, when we think of our failures as as a church, we can take some comfort in the prodigal son who came back to an extravagant party because of the mercy of his father, one of rescue. Now, those are a little bit more generic and don't particularly pertain here, though Paul speaks of them in these verses. There, there is one form here, a, a disturbing desertion that defines the whole discourse. As Paul lays out what we're going to be studying for the next 13 weeks, he says there have been a teacher or teachers who have come to these churches in Galatia that, that Paul started, and they came after Paul. And they have been preaching something other than the gospel. It sounds like the gospel, but it's something other than the gospel. There there have been people that have been coming into the church and, and fooling you about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And it sounds close enough that the churches of Galatia have been following along. And as they do, they are deserting the kingdom of God. It almost sounds like they they don't even know what they're doing. And hence, Paul sends this letter to correct the record. The God of heaven has come to rescue them. Now, practically what we're gonna see in this study is that the others were teaching gospel plus. And even that, in and of itself, it sounds nice, right? You got the gospel and something extra. And, and this, is, this is how they talked about it. They said, Paul gave you the gospel. Now we're gonna give you the rest of it, right? Paul to- taught you what you needed to know about Jesus. But when he was doing this and when he came to teach you about Jesus, 
He only gave you something like one third of the gospel. And so we're gonna give you the other two thirds of the gospel. So take what Paul gave you and then we're gonna build on top of that. And so it was, it was something like this, and, and um, this is a little simplistic, but we can think of it in this way, where they said, if, if you wanna be Christian, you have to be Jewish. And there were some things that they were forcing in, so it was gospel plus, and so it was gospel plus all the males have to be circumcised. It was gospel plus everybody has to follow the kosher food laws, right? It's gospel plus all the Jewish rites and traditions. And they're saying, Paul, Paul didn't give you all this just because you weren't ready for it yet. So now all the males go and be circumcised. Everybody change your diets immediately. Then we will know. And we'll know for certain then that you are saved. And it sounds believable. But to follow that teaching is desertion. To follow that teaching is like running into North Korea. It, it is completely opposite to the way and work of the gospel. See, all of that is a lie that drags you out of God's kingdom into the realm of ineffectual rules. You see, the gospel plus people make it sound like they're building on the gospel, but, but instead it's this sort of bait and switch. It says when, when, when you're preaching this gospel plus, ultimately what you're saying is that Jesus isn't enough. Ultimately, when you say gospel plus, what you're saying is Jesus' work at the cross wasn't enough to cover your righteousness. Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection wasn't enough to take care of the sin of this world. Jesus' work at Golgotha wasn't enough to save God's people in this world. But Paul's message to them all throughout this letter is that Jesus is everything and we need nothing more than the Christ. It is he alone who is Lord of our lives. You see, it, it's, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved. And that, that's the, the, the word you're gonna see throughout this, this letter is that it is the work of Christ that matters. It was the work of Christ that was complete. And as wretched as we are, the work of Christ handled all that needed to be handled. Nothing more. See, what we see in Galatians is people like to add to that all the time. That the work of Christ was good, but you also need this and this. That is desertion. You see, there's, there's people who like to add to it because they genuinely think the work of the cross wasn't enough. But when we say that, we're undermining the kingdom of God and we are deserting it. Now, not in this letter in particular, but we also see in general that people will also try to go the other way, and they do gospel minus, where they, they take the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as it unfolds, they start to take out all the stuff that they don't like. 
They start to take out all the stuff that is complicated. They start to take out all the stuff that's difficult, and we can't do that either. That too is desertion. You see, as this unfolds, when, when we add to the gospel and say it's Jesus and these other things, or we do the opposite and we say Jesus minus these things we don't like in the gospel, all of that is treason. All of that is rebellion. All of that is stepping out of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world, a realm of ineffectual rules that will lead to destruction. And what we see and know here, that it is Jesus alone who is our Lord and our salvation. It is the work of the cross of the Christ that sets us free and saves us from the tyranny of sin and of death. There is no work of our own hands that can add to it. And there is no way our hands will ever take away from it. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ complete and alone by which we are saved. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time. And we pray for all of our rebellious ways. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would draw your own in near to the cross of the Christ that we might be forgiven. And for all the, the times and ways that we have run away, for all the times that we have refused you as Lord, we pray this morning that you would forgive us. Bring us home and make us whole. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.